0: The serpent is more clever than any wild animal God has made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replies. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. (laughs) The woman was convinced, so she took the fruit and ate it, then gave some to her husband, who ate it too. Suddenly, their eyes opened, and they felt shame at their nakedness. As the cool evening breezes blew, The man and his wife heard the sound of God strolling in the garden. They hid in the trees of the garden. God called to the man. Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit. And I ate it. God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replies. That's why I ate it. Then God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed. More than all animals, you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. You'll give birth to your babies in pain. And to the man, he says, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were made from dust and to dust you will return God said look, look the human beings have become like us knowing both good and evil What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, stationed mighty angels to the east of the Garden, and placed a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life.
1: Turning your Bibles to page 3. We're in chapter 3 today. In chapter 2, verse 4, Elohim revealed himself as Yahweh Elohim. You start seeing in the place of the word God, you see the double name, Lord God. He's Elohim, plural in his characteristics and power and supreme in his authority, but he's Yahweh Elohim. He's personal. He is the great I am. He's the ever-present eternal one that we have been worshiping this morning. And so from verse 4, from there forward, God has spoken of his Lord God until the serpent gets involved. Look at this. Verse 1 of Genesis 3, now the serpent was more cunning, one translation says more subtle, more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, this is the enemy, Satan the devil, coming in the form of a snake, said to the woman, has God indeed said... You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Not as Lord God, not as Yahweh Elohim, but as as Elohim really said. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You see the subtle spin there? It's kind of like modern day press newspaper headlines. You read the headline and it's not what the article says at all. As God indeed said, did God really say, yes, God said, really, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman makes a mistake and debates with him. She says to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she misquotes what God says by diminishing what he said and adding to it. The original command is in chapter 2. Here's what God said, verse 16. The Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Freely. Not holding out on you guys. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, what's the purpose of that tree? It's an opportunity for man to learn submission, submission to authority. He's living in paradise. Everything's going his way, right? Who can misbehave in that scenario except you don't learn humility, humble submission, like a child. The child has everything going their way. Will their character develop? They have to learn what no means. God says, here's creation. You can have it all. But this one, uh-uh, no, you cannot eat of it. So Eve, or the woman, she's not called Eve at this point, adds to the word and says, we can't touch it or we'll die. Now that's what you call a fence law. It's like your child gets in trouble for playing in traffic, so you forbid him to leave your yard. If he still plays in traffic, then you forbid him to leave the house. You just make the fence tighter, the boundary tighter and tighter. So on face value, it appears to be wisdom, right? But when it comes to the Word of God, when we add to it, that is the birth of legalism This is a sin, that's a sin. I grew up in a denomination where everything was a sin except eating. They had no fence laws there. Maybe that's my problem. And so when she did touch it, as we'll see in a minute, there's no sin in that. It caused her, because the word of God wasn't pure in her heart or coming out of her mouth, to be deceived. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, here's the quote, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She said God said that. He didn't say it. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Just outright denial. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So you're not going to die. God's lying to you. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to be like him. Now, in chapter 1, verse 26, says that God created man in his image and in his likeness. So they were like God. So he's doing what some, some commercials do. They generate discontent. You know, you deserve a break Today. Really? Do you really deserve it? Yes, you've been hardworking. Come and we'll sell you all the hamburgers you, we can. You know. Generating hunger where there isn't or discontent where there isn't so that, you know, you don't want to be uncool and drive a minivan around. That's your parents' car. You've got to have a sports car. you got to have this. you got to have that. You don't want those tennis shoes. Red ball jets? Who ever heard of those? Converse, what? You need this, generating discontent with what you have so that you have what they're selling you. 100% down, easy monthly payments. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, it seems to be good to know good from evil, right? But in God's case, he was their source of knowledge. And this was choosing who go to another source. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, so that's the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, food and, and eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, that's the pride of life, who doesn't want to be wise, she took of its fruit. She touched it. She picked it. Nothing happened. She wasn't violating the word. But then she ate, and what happened? She gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, they had full authority over that serpent, authority over creation to run him off. They were assigned to guard the garden. But when they did this, something in the spirit realm happened. They became vulnerable to evil. He's with her. He's... No doubt, it looks like he's, you know, a witness to this conversation. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. They were innocent up to this point. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Why fig leaves? Well, I know for a fact they're a whole lot better than holly leaves <laughs> or spruce branches. Big leaves are big. Less work, right? More material to work with. They made themselves coverings. So there's the invention of sowing right there. And when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They hid themselves from Yahweh Elohim among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Not that God doesn't know where he is. It's a rhetorical question, you know. See, if he confesses his sin. He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So there's fear, there's hiding, and there's nakedness. He said, Who told you you were naked? (laughs) Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? The man said, yes, you got me. No, he said, the woman whom you gave me. This is the first episode of the blame game being played in households ever since. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. It's not my fault. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, her excuse was passing the blame, but it had more truth in it than his. She was deceived. He was just rebellious. The New Testament says so. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust, all the days of your life. So is this, you know, the losing of legs for serpents? Were they like salamanders before? I don't know. We have salamanders to this day. Beware of those cults out there that are getting messages from salamanders. They're out there. Ask me after church service. (laughs) Their missionaries knock on your door and you ask them about it and they tell you, yep. It could be that the serpent was a winged creature, you know. We don't know. He just his mode of uh, getting around was changed. I will put enmity verse 15. I will put enmity or division between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. What woman in the house would say it's hard to be a woman? Is it hard? Um, it's part of the curse of sin. Hard. We'll get to the men. It's hard to be a man too. Nine months of having a, a carrying a baby and and the pain of bringing forth a child into the world, and then the pain of being a mama, because kids will hurt you. And mamas hurt deeper than dads. A dad will just write you off. Moms never will. (laughs) So much so that God, in describing his love through the prophet Isaiah, said, will a mother forget her nursing child? Maybe, but I will never forget you. I've engraved you in the palms of my hands. couldn't say that about dads. All right. Verse 17, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. This is the Adama from which Adam came. It's now not going to be as easy to deal with. Gardening got a whole lot harder. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And so what's Adam's response? He had named the animals. He hadn't named his wife. So he gave her a name. He called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So i got to label somebody through this thing. Not good. Chapter 5, verse 2 says, In the day God made man, he made him male and female, and named them Adam. So this was the original Adam's family. All right. Pastor, that joke's getting old. It is. I'll try to stop it. All right. <laughs> also to Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothe them. So this is the first sacrifice to cover sin. Blood was shed to make coverings for them. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God took him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and his wife and placed angels at the gate of the garden to prevent them from re-entering. What would have happened had they eaten of the tree of life? They would have continued living separated from God. The blessing of death is it does put a stop to sin, right? Right? doesn't undo the damage, you know, terrorist comes to an end. He won't be terrorizing us anymore. This is why heaven is not a place for everybody. If everybody's going to heaven, then heaven's going to become earth too. Because heaven is a place for people whose hearts have been broken by how he remedied their sinful situation and generated a humility in their heart, recreated their born-again spirit, and is changing their life and renewing their mind. Our spirit's been reborn. Our minds are being renewed. Hopefully today some of that will happen. But one day our bodies are going to be replaced. But people that aren't in on that covenant, they're not going. Otherwise, they'll be starting fires up there and creating all kinds of chaos. Because we don't lose lose the freedom to choose, right? It's all based on God's choice. And so he is creating a redeemed people out of this. Why did this happen like it did? Why was a serpent allowed to, why, was, why is the devil allowed to continue to exist? Because God is governed by principles. And Satan is called the slanderer or the accuser. The word devil means divider. And so, God is responsible to have integrity with all of his kingdoms. And no angel, fallen or otherwise, can point their finger at him and say he's corrupt or he's misused his power. Right? Just give you a Granberry example. Our newspaper is really putting the heat on our sheriff. So if our sheriff abused his power, went down there and put a stop to it, the sheriff has a lot of authority, confiscated their stuff, it would be an abuse of power, right? So he has to go through the process of exercising the right to remain silent while he's being slandered, for whatever reason, whatever side you are on on that argument. I'm not making a point about that, but God... Is the ultimate sheriff. He's Yahweh Elohim. He will not violate his word. And so his will is going to be done. No one can corner him or tempt him to corruptly use his power. So through us, he's creating a redeemed community of people that will love him for eternity because we live out of appreciation. We are going back to the future. While you were shaking hands in the background, you could hear Joni Mitchell sing her song called Woodstock. She wasn't able to go to Woodstock. She was kind of heartbroken about it. So she wrote a song, and to her, Woodstock was all about going back to the garden. Well, it wasn't anything but a garden. It turned into a cesspool, didn't it? And 50 years later, they couldn't get their act together enough to pull it off again. But we are going back to the garden. Something better than the garden. The Bible ends with this picture. River of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship. So human history begins in a garden, and our redemption began in a garden when Christ surrendered to his Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was buried in a garden tomb when he arose from the dead. A witness mistook him for being the gardener, but we're headed to a garden where the tree of life is. We'll be able to eat from that. Today I'd like to talk to you about the roots of sin and God's remedy of sin. The roots in two uh, facets. The roots being the causes of sin and the results of sin, the fruits. You could say the roots and fruits of sin and God's remedy for sin. Sin's roots. Sin's roots, we can see it in the story, is doubt. The enemy opens up. Has God indeed said? Has God said? And then the debate. As God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And then denial. You will not surely die. And then delusion. For God knows it, in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good things. So don't be debating the enemy. He's out to put doubt in your heart and outright denial. We see wicked people do this all the time. It's their best weapon. Just deny, 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 deny. You could be in court showing all the evidence, proving guilt, and they'll deny, 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 deny. That's the best they've got. This is the enemy's best ploy, to generate doubt, to get us into meaningless debate, get us misquoting scripture, and to deny the consequences of our act, and then to create a delusion out of that conversation where you'll think you'll be like God. You'll think God's holding out on you. You'll think you've got a reason to have discontent. You'll think grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You'll think you married the wrong person. And then comes the disobedience. Good for food pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. We yield to it. This is what sin is like. Do not love the world, 1 John 2, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's lust for things to be proud of, is not of the Father, but is of the If we resist these things, they'll keep us out of sin, they'll keep us out of debt, they'll keep us out of heartbreak, and they'll make our relationship stronger and our ministries more effective. So that's the roots of sin. What about the results, the fruits of sin? We see in the story shame. They knew they were naked. They made themselves covering. This is the first attempt at a cover up. Hiding. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, fearing they were afraid and blaming, shirking responsibility. God, it's your fault. You gave me this woman. She gave it to me. The devil made me do it, she said. And then, of course, problems. We see all these problems. Shame, nakedness, hiding, being afraid, sorrow in motherhood, um, cursed ground thorns, thistles, sweat, death, returning back to the ground and being separated from God and from the garden, the roots of sin and God's remedy. A nursery rhyme we learn was, as a child was Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Adam fell. How can this be repaired? Who can fix this situation that was brought about by rebelling against God's will?
0: The museum of art is giving us a sped-up glimpse of the 12 years of work needed to put a masterpiece back on display today. The restoration is unprecedented. The life-size marble sculpture of Adam was created in the 1490s. It shattered uh, into hundreds of pieces in 2002 when its plywood base gave way at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Dozens of scientists and engineers helped the museum's conservators put the sculpture back together by hand, sometimes using heavy equipment. Look at this oh. work Painstaking. Adam was reborn with fiberglass pins, a new adhesive and a high gloss finish. Recreating creating Adam.
2: That's, uh, that's just amazing.
0: That is pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, you know, I thought you'd see like band-aids and paint. No. Scratches. It's the Met, you know.
2: Yeah, they are you the know, best. No half-stepping there.
1: It wasn't that easy to repair this damage. It took a new Adam, the last Adam, to come and do the repair. To the serpent, these words were spoken by Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise or crush thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This seed of the woman is the new Adam. Adam and his wife looked forward to this day, so much so that when their first child was born, the mama said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. They named him Cain. Boy, did that boy turn into a disappointment. Killed his brother, and he went off into exile. So she bore a third son, and she said, I have gotten another man. And for centuries, women have had sons thinking they're the Messiah, (laughs) wanting them to be, my son, the doctor. But one day, centuries later, after this promise, a virgin named Mary was visited by an angel named Gabriel who told her she was highly favored, that she was going to bear the Son of God. Adam was the Son of God. God was his father. God made him out of soil. And with Mary, God made his son in her womb. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She said, be unto me according to my word. She received the word in her heart. The son of God was generated in her. The new Adam came to redeem us from the situation. And in so doing, he suffered. Now, when they sinned and ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, They surrendered the authority they had because they were submitted to God. Now they're no longer submitted to God, so where's their authority coming from? The devil now had advantage on the planet and has been oppressing the children of women ever since. But through the seed of woman came to take his authority back. This is crushing or bruising his head. But as so doing, in dying on the cross, hanging on three nails, all the weight of his body on those three nails and one heel, the wound was received in his body as the last Adam, fulfilling this promise. He fulfilled these other things, too, that were part of the curse that he received in his own body. Sorrow, Isaiah 53 calls him a man acquainted with grief, with our sorrows. Thorns. He was crowned with thorns, and it may not have been a nice, nicely done wreath like we have hanging on our replica of the cross. It may have been a hat of thorns. It may have been a thorn bush crammed on his head, crudely fashioned for him to suffer. He received it to redeem us from this curse. Sweating as it were, great drops of blood. Luke 22 tells us. Naked, they stripped him of his clothes, put a robe on him. Mocked him and then took that robe back. Separation from God. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22. Separated from God. Now, he was God, but for an instant, as a man, he lived separated from God to repair the short circuit that was between us and God. He bridged the gap so that through his separation, we could be reunited. Does that make sense? And, of course, to the point of death for us. Inasmuch then, Hebrews 2, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Why did he become one of us? That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. That's the question of the head of the serpent and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear is bondage. Most fears relate to death. Well, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just afraid of water. Well, you don't want to die by drowning, so you're afraid of water. I'm not afraid to die, but I'm afraid of heights. You're afraid of that sudden stop if you fall. Right. I'm afraid of uh, closed-in space, claustrophobia. If you chase them to their most logical conclusion, ultimately illogical conclusion is death. People are afraid. My uh, grandmother was afraid of mice, and my family was uh, newly returned missionaries from Liberia, just starting over again, and they were thrilled the day we were able to buy a house out in the country. The first winter in that house, we discovered that field mice like to move in. My grandparents came to stay with us, and you could hear Grandma all over the house. Listen to that scratching, Thomas. They've got mice in their attic. Mice can catch rabies, they could bite us, we could all die. Maybe the results of your sin, the great pains that you have experienced in life due to your behavior or the results of other people's sin, causing you untold grief. Jesus paid it all to redeem us out of every situation, to give us hope and a future and peace in the midst of this conflict-riddled world. Are you as free as the last Adam came to make us? Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person in the room would search their heart to see where we're living under the curse of sin when we don't have to, to see where we're just accepting certain circumstances to Lord over us with fear or worry or anxiety or vengefulness or judgmentalism, whatever it is, Lord, hurt, taking up offenses, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that we would realize that you are our Savior, that you paid it all for us so we could be free, that you came to fall apart to put us back together, that you came to experience separation so we could experience dedication and reunion with you, Lord. Father, I pray that the fulfillment of the gospel would be alive and active in every person's life. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of heaven. But, Lord, we're to live life abundantly here now. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord, to walk in the peace and freedom that was purchased for us.
2: Spirit of living life. Spirit of living life.
1: Um, I think the closest thing we have to the tree of life spiritually is surrendering to the Father's will. The opposite of what our forefather did. Surrendering to his will. And his will is that we exercise the authority he's given us by serving humanity. And there's things he purchased for us that are our inheritance, that are available through prayer, through asking. And so one of our assignments as ambassadors of this kingdom is His kingdom that is coming and yet is here uh, is uh, prayer and that we pray with one another. So if you're here and you have an issue in your life you'd like to have prayer on, it could be the need for a job, could be a sickness, could be... A relationship. Could you just raise your hand high and just hold it up? Can do that? Anybody? Eating prayer. Okay. Look around. Keep your hand up. I'd like for two people to go to each raised hand. There's one hand there. There's a hand here. There's a hand here. As the musicians play softly, let's pray for these needs. Here's a hand here, John. anyone else.
2: Change in everything.